You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hi there, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Eating Disorders Awareness Week and the special podcast that I'm doing where I'm asking you guys to send me your thoughts and I'm reading them out um, in the recording. And today's topic was loneliness, or is loneliness. Um, This will be a difficult one. I think I feel like I could write a book on the loneliness that I felt as a result of my eating disorder. Um, It's an incredibly um, isolating illness. And 10 years of that really takes its mental toll, actually. I mean, um, it feels like it's something that's desired in the time, but it's not really. And I'm very interested, actually, in the side effects of the loneliness that um, an eating disorder such as anorexia can have on a person. But I'm going to jump straight in and I'm going to start reading out some of the text that I've been sent. So here's the first one. Anorexia needs isolation to grow. It needs a bumper of space and distance that keeps people and responsibilities away so that it can plant seeds and cover my brain. In the early stages, it kind of hibernated in my brain and it worked on changing my physical body. Once the weight had been lost and the process was underway, this isolation became more automatic. People would start to stay away because they don't think that I needed them. Also, they've been pushed or possibly intimidated or disgusted or saddened. Perhaps we don't even seem to exist anymore or matter. Anorexia is the veil. For a while, we desperately need isolation. We do everything we can through sequence, manipulation and resignation to have the private time we need in order to serve the mental illness. Meanwhile, it constructs its bizarre kingdom and builds a fence after fence, not so much as to keep others out, but to make sure that we stay in. Some people run to make space, others hide food and perform a massive ritualization around eating. Others, like me, just seem to die. Everything stops. It's all a coma. Years go by and those fences harden. They grow moss and rust and things like bulimia and OCD and barbed wire. We even let anorexia place guards with guns at different checkpoints. Nobody gets in. And then one day, when the sun is out, the sufferer gets a sideways glimpse of life beyond the fences. What's that? Family? Friends? People having vacations? Children? Holidays? Meals? And we're not invited. We aren't there. They stopped asking us a very long time ago. We only wanted to be home with anorexia, cleaning the floors and reorganising the spice drawer. But that one vision of freedom, the something beyond the mental fuzz, it takes a tug on the heart, on the soul. Anorexia does not work with the soul, so this is a very big problem for the illness. The soul is out of its control, and the soul is what gives us the gift of loneliness. When we finally see that we are sick, and we know that there is a better way, we embrace loneliness, little by little, The loneliness encourages other emotions, such as desire and boredom. These are other signals that want us to reconnect with the outside world. And then there comes a point when wanting to participate hits in a direct conflict with anorexia's dear isolation. They cannot live in the same body, so the sufferer has to choose to either listen to the world or put on back on anorexia's headphones. Perhaps this is when we decide to seek help. We move a few steps beyond anorexia, even just for an afternoon, and we share our problems. Help is the first break from isolation, but it makes us leave the eating disorder cocoon. 
We go from black and white to technicolor, and it can be terribly frightening, but the energy is something new, and we keep going despite the fear. We know what to expect in isolation, but loneliness, this beautiful thing provides possibility. Wow. Well, that person can write. And gosh, I, I think that we could just end there, actually. And <laughs> I think a, a lot of things have been said. And the main point that I think is wonderful is that this writer is absolutely correct. The desire and the want for human connection, which comes as a result of the extreme loneliness, cannot exist alongside anorexia, not completely. And so it is actually the loneliness that provides us with the motivation that we need to go through recovery, which is terrifying and which is scary and which is difficult, but is so worth it. And I think it's the loneliness that really inspires that and the loneliness knows that. And I know that um, without the loneliness that I felt after 10 years of this illness, Um, motivating me to want to get out of that and have human connection and have a life that involved other people inside of it I would have never had the motivation to recover that's really where it came from for me I was desperately lonely and it was painful but it needed to be because the pain and the anger and the frustration that I felt over being so desperately lonely, those are all change emotions. Anger's a change emotion, pain's a change emotion, frustration's a change emotion. Without those, we don't seek to change. And I had to dig really deep to seek to change. I think that was just such a wonderful piece of writing. Thank you for sending that. Okay, so here's the next one. I am someone who relishes solitude. I don't just love time alone, I need it. I love people, but I can still bring a book to a party so that I can step outside after a few hours and take a moment to myself. I love living alone. So I try and describe the kind of grueling loneliness that I have experienced in varying degrees during the 15 plus years of my eating disorder, and that's problematic because I love being alone, but my eating disorder loneliness is like an assault on the senses, body, mind, heart, soul being pummeled with raging wrongness. Because at my age, I have burned so many bridges isolated so much, given up so much, and shut out so many experiences and people that it feels like there's no one left. Oftentimes I don't want to leave the house because at times I feel grotesque, like I don't want to subject the public to the horror that is my body. I had to drop out of high school and I never went to college. Most of my friends and family have actual lives, careers, spouses and children. I have the daily pleasure of being at war. I know there are people that love me, but I don't want to be around them and subject them to me. I feel as though I've lost the right to reach out to anyone. I will say that having God and my dogs is like the cool side of the pillow after a vicious nightmare. It is a balm. It's something to lay my cheek against while I try and catch my breath, and I am grateful for those that care. But there is an intellectual understanding that you are not alone, and the feeling at 2am when you want to die, feeling like there's no one on earth you would feel comfortable calling. When does that go away? Does that ever go away? In essence, it seems like a question of how does one go about forging any kind of connection after a decade of self-imposed alienation from fans, family, the world, and breaking away from my own body and mind. Wow, um, that one brought me close to tears. Um, that's That was really hard for me to read. I, I, I felt that. I have been there and I have felt that. And um, 
like you know um as she said 15 plus years of pushing people away and um the loneliness often comes from not wanting to subject oneself on people and i know how that feels as well because eating disorders aren't very fun anorexia is not fun it's very difficult i think i spoke about that in a podcast earlier this week to have fun at a family meal time when um you've got that sound of nails being run down a chalkboard in your ear that's not fun and i often felt i i would not go to things not just because i was scared to go because there'd be food and there'd be pressure to eat and pressure to sit down and all of these things that i couldn't do but just because i didn't want to subject myself on other people but and a lot of that was because I had pushed them away and I had been irritable and nasty and told people to go away and I had been a bad friend and I had not invited people around and I had not gone to their birthday parties and all of those things felt overwhelming like I couldn't go back and undo that and make that better but honestly the truth is you can and recovery from an eating disorder heals many things it heals your body it heals your mind it also heals these relationships and people will love you out the other side they'll love you in it even if you let them or not and that's something I really learned as well and in answer to the question that was asked there at the end so um it, she wrote it seems like a question of how does one go about foraging any kind of connection after a decade of self-imposed alienation from friends family and the world and my answer to that would be maybe just looking at it as not as self-imposed um, alienation. It was maybe self-imposted by the eating disorder. The eating disorder alienates. That's not, you have to see that as separate. That's not self-imposed. That's illness-imposed alienation. And I think that that's really the difference that when you come out of the illness and the illness goes into remission, none of that exists anymore. It was never really self-imposed. It was illness imposed okay um here's the the next one somebody wrote people don't invite you to things as they don't think you'll eat or drink and so there's that you're no fun you want to be invited but then when you are you say no because of fear of what you will have to eat or drink it's a vicious cycle yeah i think we that exactly it is a vicious cycle it's so scary and you say no but then it still really hurts when people don't invite you anymore okay here's another one I felt lonely before my eating disorder and without people around me for different reasons. But having an eating disorder exacerbates it. It adds a more isolating aspect to it and prevents rationally trying to manage or improve it without sheer strength, determination and support. At times, it's been helpful to feel so lonely. It's been a comfort to just have my eating disorder in me. But there does come a point in which I need to address it and help, and I need help, and often. It's not just there, or as adults with different commitments can be hard to face. It makes you feel lost, worthy, and unhappy. I'm trying to now put into practice things that can help me, and so when I'm stronger, I can be confident and extend and move forwards. I want to feel less lonely, but that means tackling the eating disorder as separate from the trigger, symptom, and or effect. Wow, now that's really great insight. Tackling the eating disorder as separate from the trigger, trigger, symptom, and or effect. So, and so the trigger could be something environmental. It could be a, a response to something that is stressful. 
Um, it could be something to do with wanting to lose weight. It could be completely different. It could be a relationship breakdown. And I think this person speaks possibly like someone that's been through a lot of maybe sort of more of a psychotherapeutic approach where um, she's realized that all of those have been tackling the triggers or the symptoms of the eating disorder and that really to feel less lonely that means tackling the eating disorder separately from those and usually that means eating even if it doesn't feel like eating food could possibly mend whatever is painful about the triggers and it does feel like not eating food will make everything better. But really it comes down to weight restoration and getting lower restriction is going to make everything better. Because life without the eating disorder, everything is better in ways that are unimaginable when you're in the throes of it. Okay, here's another one. The eating disorder creates loneliness and isolation. People around don't understand you, and from my experience, are afraid to talk about the eating disorder. It creates distance between loved ones and a loss of friendships. I isolated for fear and feeling anxious around others, but it also led me to be able to use the eating disorder behaviours. I not only lost friendships, but I also never had the opportunity to develop friendships or relationships. Family members stopped inviting me to events knowing that I could most likely not show up and that made me feel worse sometimes, triggering the, triggering the use of more behaviours. Now being in active recovery, I feel alone and it is sad at times seeing how the eating disorder has destroyed my life. Now because I'm in recovery, I set boundaries, which is different than isolating, but it makes me feel alone because people don't understand the eating disorder. The positive is having this slack and a safe community and so now I no longer feel alone in this journey. Knowing there is support helps me not feel alone even when physically I am. I have constant support from people who understand. So that person's actually talking about the peer support Slack group that um, we have set up online, which is for adults in eating disorder recovery over the age of 25 years. And it really is a truly supportive place where you, people can go on and say anything that, you know, whatever is coming up for them in eating disorder recovery and know that everybody on there is either going through or been through the same sort of thing. And it's really wonderful to see people reacting to one another not only with a oh wow I feel like that too and this is what I kind of do to help myself feel better but um, actually using um, other people to help them in their own recovery as they support one another it's truly fabulous okay here's another one here loneliness wow this is a big one of course with me the eating disorder has pushed more and more people away living alone, avoiding social situations. Now family do not even bother inviting me to any occasions as they automatically assume that I'll turn the invite down that increases this sense of loneliness and isolation. The eating disorder takes away any interest in the opposite sex and that's from being a low weight and socially um, anxious around food. This Christmas family assumed that I would not want to spend it with them. So much of it I spent the entire season alone, really. I worked shifts to be around people when I was at home in my ed driven behaviors routines restriction it was miserable all around you could see other people together and having a nice time as united families that was a tough time but a recovery focus now is about overcoming this and getting more social again so that i'm at the stage to do um with an active future social life with people that i care about ah really she brings up christmas and holidays and they're really tough so 
so lonely when I mean I know with myself my, my family always kept on inviting me to things and I was invited to everything but I would still feel I, if I went to a party or even if I went to um, any sort of social anything it could be down at a local pub whatever it just always felt like there was a glass wall between me and everybody else like I was on a completely separate wavelength and I was able to sort of um, view and whatever people were talking about from a very disconnected place. But I, I never just felt that I could actually contribute in a way that would be meaningful. It was just so bizarre, but it's a mental illness and affects many parts of the brain, I believe. And I do think that just those areas of my brain that were to do with social interaction and connection with people were underfueled. They'd shut down a bit. And But the most traumatizing part was, I think I knew it. I knew that once before I had had an amazing connection with other people and had been able to talk and enjoy myself and not be thinking of food and exercise the whole time. And so I knew that it was there and I knew it was possible, but I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't reach it. Um, and I think that Christmas and holidays, I mean, they're difficult for anybody that's alone and lonely, for sure. Um, the thing, the eating disorders, it makes it feel like somebody wrote before. It makes it feel self-inflicted. And I don't believe it isn't. I think it is eating disorder inflicted. It's illness inflicted. But it's hard to know that in the time. And that leads to a lot of self-loathing um, and just feeling like I should try harder. I should do better. I should be a better person. And people would like me more. But then I should say yes to these invitations. Then family will continue to invite me. People will continue to invite me. But then what's the point? Because when I get there, I can barely talk to anybody anyway. It is a vicious cycle. And the only way out of this vicious cycle, as this person who wrote so wisely there, is that looking forward to that future social life and knowing that that will come with recovery. Okay, here's another one. The bleakness and wretchedness of loneliness is something that I've had to learn to live with. I berate myself for putting myself in this situation, but having suffered from an eating disorder since the age of 13, and now as a mature adult, the illness has meant that I have pushed people away, including my own family. I have unknowingly built a barrier around me to protect myself. Anyone who may have approached me has been kept at a safe distance, physically and metaphorically. The illness kept me isolated and withdrawn, the space occupied by the rituals and rules by all the encompassing eating disorder. I relied on my work colleagues for social interaction under the guise that I was able to cope through aware of my illness, it was never mentioned. Now, stuck at home, having been made redundant, I'm totally alone. I have no real friends and those I do stay in contact with live at a distance. Having lost all confidence, I feel unable to talk or chat to them and other people. My lack of confidence in communicating with others has resulted even in a fear of answering the phone, let alone making a call to someone. I don't like social media and I see it as a poor substitute for face-to-face -face contact and she put in um, brackets, what a paradox. So I remain alone with the one thing that I am trying too hard to destroy, which is my eating disorder. I don't like my own company, so I am lonely. I feel invisible but too scared to reach out and seek friendship. I am also aware that a major part of social interaction and meeting people requires being around them and often that requires partaking of food. I'm not yet far enough along in my recovery to be able to cope with such a challenging situation. 
I can go days without talking to anyone and the only way I manage is to feel less lonely is to people watch. This itself can reinforce the loneliness as most people are in the company of others and they are part of the buzz of life. I don't feel sorry for myself, but more cross for lacking the skills to make friends or the company of others who are so lonely since it is a sad place to be. So a desire is expressed at the end there to actually make friends with people to help alleviate their own loneliness and I think that's quite lovely. Um, this person spoke about confidence, lack of confidence, um, even to sort of communicate in any way as well as on the phone and um, that's something that comes up quite a bit I think. Again it's, it's due to years and years of isolation and um, from my years of 10 years experience in isolation and then I'm talking to people that have had 20, 30, 40 years of experience of an eating disorder and of course there's a lack of confidence because it's just not been practiced. It's just not a, a daily thing actually. It's something that most people take for granted I think, this daily communication with people. If they're married or a partner or um, have friends or work colleagues that they see often, it's a, it's a daily thing to just talk to people even if you're chewing the fat. It, but when that's not present and it really is isolation and 100% um, in the presence of an eating disorder at that, then that confidence is going to go because we're just not used to doing it. And um, one thing that I think is another wonderful thing about the um, online just chat support group that we have going is people can start to practice communicating it sounds really really strange but it's in a it's a private group and so just being able to practice communicating and reaching out and commenting and helping somebody else via doing so and social media i mean that can be a pretty unforgiving place as well i don't think it's actually the best place to start in practicing um just getting up those communication skills and reaching out to people i really don't think it's a good place but i really think that these um closed group online peer support it's it's like via anonymous you can be anonymous on there actually but still get some human connection reach out and say hey i'm struggling with this help me or even reach out and and you know we have conversations on there that are completely non-eating disorder anything i mean george clooney comes up a hell of a lot um so do other films <laughs> and um, music and just lots of things that get conversation going and you can build connections with people that you have never met never seen might not even know the real name it's a, it, and having a place to start that, do that there, get some confidence there, and then maybe moving on to social media um, or face-to-face -face communication at your own pace as that confidence builds. It's all very well to say to somebody who has been isolated for a long time, oh, hey, don't worry, just go out, go to a coffee shop, shop and spark up a conversation with the first person you meet. It's not going to happen. And the good news is now it doesn't have to happen, not if you don't want to. You can start with closed online community, build up that confidence. And as you recover from your eating disorder, which is inevitable, recovery always happens if you keep trying. It's, it's not a might, it's a when. As you recover from your eating disorder, at the same time, you're building up those communication skills and getting some confidence there. There is a lot of hope. Okay, so this next one is actually um, from a partner of a person with an eating disorder. The friends I do talk to are horrified and do the, oh, well, what's she thinking? She just needs to figure out how to eat. Why do you put up with it? Or worse, 
How do you think your son will feel when he's old enough to understand? And they go, oh, well, I won't put up with that. And that's not helpful to me. One of the worst moments I remember is when I was pregnant and got really sick and I was throwing up water. My wife had just been admitted to a PHP program and they decided that her needing to take a day out of the program and be with me was just the eating disorder talking and that she must stay in the program. So I ended up calling my OB nurse asking what should I do and she just kept saying, wait, you're alone? Why isn't anyone with you? And what could I say? Well, I couldn't exactly tell her that my wife is sick and she won't let me tell my family because we both know that they'll freak out and then treat her like rubbish and that I haven't told anybody that this is happening. If she'd had cancer, I don't think it would have been like that. It's got better and she's much better now and I know it's worse for her. You feel guilty because you need things from your spouse with an eating disorder and they can't do them. And people saying, well, they're sick, so don't take it personally, just makes you feel worse because it makes you feel like you're bad and wrong and selfish. And you're asking too much of someone who needs to focus on themselves. And maybe at some distant point when they get better, it will be different. So you should just be patient. And if you're tired and you need more from them, then you should try harder because you're cruel and you're making their recovery about you. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's a really wonderful and very honest um, statement there from somebody who is a partner to somebody with an eating disorder. That they know deep down it's not about them and it's not personal and it's an illness, but that's still, that's still hard to take because then it makes them feel bad about taking it personally and that they're being selfish themselves. And then also not being able to talk to other people about it because other people don't understand and they just say, well, I wouldn't tolerate that and why do you let them treat you like that and why do you let them behave like that? And that's actually not helpful either. Um, and so I see how that can be incredibly isolating. And what I really love about what she wrote there was, my wife is sick and she wouldn't let me tell my family because we both know that they'll freak out and treat her like rubbish and we haven't told anyone this is happening. If she'd had cancer, I don't think it would have been like that. And it really wouldn't, would it? And please do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that cancer is a preferable disease to have, but I am saying that it is a disease that's honorable to have and that you can join a community of survivors and be proud about it and that spouses and partners can say he or she has cancer and this is why this is happening. Try doing that with an eating disorder. I mean, we should be able to, but the reality is, is that it's difficult. People don't understand. Sometimes they don't want to understand. Sometimes they just seem incapable of understanding that really this disease, this illness is not a choice. It is a mental illness and it's really damn tough. But the thing to remember also from that one that I just read out as well is she says it does get better. It gets better. With recovery, it gets better, not just for the person who has the illness, but for family members as well and everybody involved. Okay, so I'm going to finish with this one. I usually don't speak up about this stuff, but I had to write on the loneliness one. I think that being a guy with anorexia creates another dimension of isolation. Ironically, it was the loneliness that the eating disorder created that ultimately led to its demise. It was the loneliness that got so bad that I sought help. I was in a relationship with a wonderful woman when anorexia started. 
I loved her very much, and I probably stu- still do love her, if I'm honest. But I didn't know. I just didn't know what was going on with me soon enough to save the relationship. It was actually a social situation that started my eating disorder. A deal made with a mate after a few too many beers in the pub. We decided to run the London Marathon, and that's where it all started. I trained for the marathon and then couldn't stop running. Looking back, it's so obvious now, and I feel so stupid. What an idiot that I couldn't see it. Looking back, I can see it's no coincidence that I would pick a fight with her after work right around dinner time. That's when I was most anxious. And I didn't know it then, but now I can see that I practically provoked arguments so that I would have an excuse to storm out the house and not eat. And then when we split up, a part of me was happy. How sad is that? I loved her, but I was happy because it would mean more time in the gym and no pressure to eat. But the happiness didn't last, well, it lasted a couple of years, but then it turned into a painful loneliness. When I started treatment, I was so ashamed. I was the only bloke in there, but I was done with it, so for once the loneliness overcame the shame. I'm down the line away now, but not all the way there, but I'm doing well. And I have friends, like, wow. I cannot tell you how different my life is now to what it was a year ago. Anyway, I'm sitting here writing this and I'm terrified, but I'm excited too, as I have a date lined up with my ex next week. And I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but at least there is some hope. Maybe, just maybe, I can regain not only the weight that anorexia took, but her back too. Oh man, I am rooting for you next week. Uh, (laughs) I I, I promise I won't read it out on a podcast, but if if you could write to me um, and let me know how that date went, just hope it goes well for you. Um, And um, I'm so pleased for you that you've got treatment and you're getting there and you're where you are. I'm so thrilled for you. Thanks for writing that in. That, That one, that meant the world to me. And what's really interesting, I think, is that Anorexia um, and other eating disorders, gosh, all eating disorders, create this this shame factor and they make us, they tell us, you can't tell anybody about this because nobody will want to be with you if you actually tell them how messed up this is and that you have an eating disorder. But actually what tends to happen, and I've found this for sure, that when I open up and I say to somebody, I, you know, so last year, you know, last year when I was kind of cagey and um, this thing happened and I didn't want to come around and they said no to your birthday or whatever it was. Afterwards, when I could say to them, so, you know, actually, um, I have anorexia and last year I was really struggling and I've been in recovery and, but that was the reason and I just wanted to let you know that was the reason that I didn't come to that party. Never have I said that to someone and have that met with, oh, well, you're a selfish git. Never. I was always met with understanding and I think it's actually a relief for people as well when you let them know what's going on because then they know that it's not personal and it's not that you don't like them and it's not that you don't want to go to their birthday party or wedding or christening or whatever it is. You're just dealing with some health problems and you are looking after yourself and if anybody does blame you or call you selfish for that, don't think that's the kind of person you want to be hanging around with anyway. Thanks you for everybody that wrote in about that. That was an emotional one for me. Um, If you're listening to this, yeah, there's a lot of emotion in there. There's a lot of sadness in there, but there's also a lot of hope in there as well. 
and please draw on the hope and know that whatever you're feeling, whatever isolation you're feeling, loneliness you're feeling, even if it seems like it's so overwhelming and that you could never get back everything that your eating disorder has trashed, I promise you that you can. With healing and weight restoration and letting go of restriction, healing from an eating disorder, other things will heal too. It's like a snowball effect. It all gets better with recovery. So keep going. Thank you for listening and for listening for this um, special series of podcasts that I've done this week for Eating Disorders Awareness Week. If you're enjoying these podcasts and you just feel like you would like to give something, I don't want you to give anything to me, but if you want to donate, then um, on my website, there's a donate button and any money donated there will go to meal support for somebody who is struggling with an eating disorder, um, for the um, adults in active eating disorder recovery meal support company that I founded called ADRA. And um, so you could donate there if you just feel like giving something, giving something back because you've enjoyed the podcasts, then that's how I would like you to give something back by giving somebody that needs it meal support. So um, thank you. And there's links to that in the show notes. I'm going to be running a question and answer podcast once a week from now on. So if you have any questions that you would like me to answer, you can email them to me at info at You can also tweet them to me and my Twitter handle is at love underscore fat underscore. Thanks for listening. Cheers. And until next time, cheerio.